The ECB hiked overnight, but it lowered its growth and inflation forecasts and signalled, that's it. So, stocks and bonds rallied. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then, in our bonus deep dive interview, Kun Go takes us inside the toolkit used by the People's Bank of China in the last fortnight to support the yuan. Chinese authorities have shown that you know, they're willing to uh, employ their, their toolkit in order to deter speculative attacks against the currency. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, number one, the European Central Bank increased its main deposit rate last night by 25 basis points to 4%. That's the ECB's 10th consecutive hike, and 4% is a record high. That goes above the level it set 22 years ago. However, the ECB also lowered its growth and inflation forecasts and signalled that one more hike seems to be it. They're one and done. ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, says markets reacted as if the hike was a dovish hike. Stocks rallied, bond prices rose, and yields fell. Without definitively saying that rates have peaked, President Lagarde did indicate that they really now think rates are at levels that are going to have a substantially significant impact on getting inflation down. I don't think the underlying data, either incoming, current, or the future lead indicators we're getting suggested that from an activity or from an inflation perspective, a rate rise was required. So I think this is really a precautionary move. Number two. Now the focus on global markets turns to rates decisions by the US Federal Reserve and the Bank of England next week. Brian sees the Fed likely to pause, but he thinks the Bank of England should hike, given wage growth there is running at 8.5% per annum. The Bank of England has no option uh, but to raise interest rates, despite the fact that there is some evidence that the economy is faltering and unemployment is rising. I think they need to stay at the table and really get on top of this problem. Number three, Australian unemployment was steady at 3.7% in August data out yesterday, but the devil was in the detail, especially the higher-than-expected jump in total employment of 64,900. ANZ's Head of Australian Economics, Adam Boyton, explains. Ordinarily, you'd look at a number like that and say, wow, that's strong. But what we also saw was that most of that jobs growth was part-time, and the number of hours worked in the economy actually fell in August. And so I think what the number's telling us in general is that the labour market's probably tracking around a level that's consistent with the unemployment rate heading sideways. Number four, Brent oil prices rose another 2% overnight to almost 94 US dollars a barrel. It's all about surprise decisions recently by Saudi Arabia and Russia to extend production cuts until the end of the year, at least. Here's ANZ's senior commodity strategist, Daniel Hines, talking with my colleague, Catherine Dyer. It does change you know, the market quite significantly, at least for, for Q4 and, and Q1 in 2024. Um, I mean, we see a pretty sizable deficit forming um, in the order of you know, over 2 million barrels a day, which, you know, is up there with some of the largest sort of deficits we've seen in the market uh, in recent time. And look, it could flow over into 2024, as I said. So going into 2024, if we do see, you know, some sort of stabilisation and even pick up in economic activity in, in more developed markets like Europe and the US, then there's not much, um, you know, inventory to, to buffer that that increase in demand. So, 
It does set the scene for a fairly volatile period, although I do suspect, you know, prices are going to continue that sort of upward trend that we've seen over the past couple of months. Do you think they might hit that 100 US dollars a barrel mark? Yeah, I, I certainly think that's a, a strong possibility um, for the, the year end. Number five. We're expecting fresh leading indicators for China's economy in August later today. We've got retail sales, industrial production and investment numbers. ANZ's China economist Betty Wang says car sales and bank lending figures suggest the numbers could be firmer than most expect. In general, the economic momentum in China remains quite weak. Uh, but specifically for August, we might see some green shoots in terms of the uh, recovery momentum, especially if you look at better than expected PMI data, which were released early in the month. So uh, we are looking for some higher readings for industrial production, uh, retail sales. We might see some upside surprise for key August economic data. Betty Wang there. In today's bonus deep dive interview, we go behind the scenes of one of the biggest stories in global markets in the last couple of weeks, the sharp fall in China's currency, which was arrested by various interventions by the People's Bank of China. I spoke with ANZ's head of Asia research, Kun Go. The Chinese yuan had been under severe depreciation pressure over the last few months on the back of a strong US dollar and, of course, concerns over weakness in the Chinese economy. Uh, now, the People's Bank of China had been quite active in trying to push back against that depreciation pressure and they've been utilising some of their uh, tools to do that. Uh, more recently, they have uh, really upped the ante uh, by not only uh, doing suspected uh, FX intervention via the state banks, uh, but they've also uh, engineered a funding squeeze in the offshore market, which uh, pushed up funding costs and making it very expensive uh, for those to short the uh, offshore yuan. And as a result, we've seen the yuan uh, recover. Uh, and I think all these actions show you that the PBOC is really serious about wanting to deter further weakness in the currency. Uh, and I believe they will um, you know, prevail in the end. And uh, that's why I believe that we've probably seen the lows for the yuan for this cycle. Uh, we're not going to see the yuan uh, you know, revisit the, the lows of, of this month. And in fact, uh, we could be entering a period where we could start to see a gradual recovery in the currency. How serious was it, do you think, the challenge to the PBOC was there plenty of people shorting the currency and taking on the, the central bank? Yeah, there, there was actually a lot of interest to short the Chinese yuan because it was really a very uh, easy uh, story to sell. After all, uh, the Chinese economy uh, is struggling. You can see the media headlines almost on a constant basis. Uh, and with uh, US interest rates high and uh, the PBOC recently cutting rates, uh, the yield differential was very much in favour of the US dollar. Uh, so therefore, it was uh, favoured amongst the, the hedge fund and speculative community to, to short the Chinese yuan. It worked initially, of course, but you know, at uh, you know, the levels that it got to, it started to become a major concern for uh, the Chinese authorities uh, because they don't want their currency to be too weak because that would start to uh, you know, uh, infect uh, sentiment negatively. Uh, it's already led to quite a lot of portfolio outflows, uh, so they don't want the situation to deteriorate any further, which is why they have stepped in very aggressively more recently uh, in order to uh, you know, stem and uh, head off this depreciation pressure, which 
uh, they have been uh, successful in, in doing that now. Do you think it's burned off the, the short sellers completely? There's no doubt some might be tempted to try it on again, but you know after the spike higher in the funding costs uh, recently, uh, that's actually made it uh, relatively unattractive uh, to short the currency uh, at this point. Uh, so you know I think the Chinese authorities have shown that you know they're willing to uh, employ their, their toolkit in order to deter speculative attacks against the currency. Uh, so I think uh, you know any hedge funds or speculators thinking of wanting to short the currency again, I think will probably need to think twice because I think the risk reward. Uh, from uh, these current levels is not uh, as attractive as it was, say, uh, one or two months ago. You mentioned the toolkit. Um, uh, could you talk about the tools that they pulled out and the ones they still have in there if they need it? Yeah, so the first one that they uh, employed was uh, what is called the counter-cyclical factor in the daily fixings. Uh, they started to introduce that uh, in June. Uh, and that's a way to basically send a signal to the market that uh, they don't really want the currency to weaken too much. Kun go there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Friday, September the 15th. Catch you next week with a much closer look at future oil demand with Daniel Hines and a deep dive into Queensland's particularly strong economic growth of late with Richard Yetzinger. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.